Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact. Welcome back, everyone. We now have our weekly slot on the Responsible Investor, brought to you by Safri Paul. Let's plastic responsibly. This week, we're going to be chatting to the CEO of 10X, Toby van Heerden, about the fascinating 10X Retirement Reality Report that they have just put out. Welcome, Toby. This report that you've just put out, which is based on the 2023 Brand Atlas Survey, has some sobering conclusions. Would you like to give us a rundown on what stuck out for you? Dawn, thank you very much. Thanks for your time and be able to speak to your listeners. A um, couple of numbers, headline numbers that stuck out for us is, is one, only 6% of South Africans can retire comfortably. Now that for me, according to the definition that we've asked our, our surveyors, was basically you can live and you feel comfortable to retire the day before your retirement and the day after your retirement. You're in exactly the same position. You don't have to worry about about anything. So only 6% of people, when they get to retirement, they they are comfortable at, at that point, which is a very low number. And it's been staying consistently at 6% for a very, very long time. So we have to delve a bit deep, deeper into why is it staying at 6% and what's behind this and if, if it's moving into any direction. So a couple of key headline numbers that came out. Only 70%. Or 70% of South Africans say we don't have enough money to save, which is which is understandable. So so we we, we can't fault that. We live in a developing world. Um, you know, inflation is super high, unemployment is super high. Um, it's it's a very tough economic environment. So it's very hard for people to say I've got to you know rather stay, save something now for the next for something in 40 years time versus buying you know food for my family so so you're going to spend the money on the most important things first so you can't you can't really fault that and we can unpack that at a, i think at a later point because that talks more much more to the socioeconomic environment and the impact that that it has the second biggest number for me however was was 37 of people saying we start saving too late and and that's where we delved into to say what we have experienced is, is, is a dichotomy or a big disconnect between expectation of people and the reality of people when they retire. So young people typically, I'm saying age 25 to, to 50, young people, they say, you know, we have a long time to retirement. We have 20 or 30 or 40 years. We have a long time retirement. You know, we can save when the day comes. We don't have to worry about it now. They are getting more worried about it. So we see the stats increasing that people are getting more worried at a younger age about the retirement, but they're not doing anything about it. And then what we see clearly when we start looking at the 50-year-olds and plus, re retirement is much more of a reality now because they're like 15 years away from retirement. And you can see the worry increase massively, and now people want to do something about it. And, and the, the shocking thing is if you start saving at age 50, you're going to save about half your salary to come to, to retire comfortably. So 50% of your salary you've got to put away to your to retire to your retirement savings part to retire to be part of the six percent. However, if you started at age 30, you only have to put 10% of your salary away. So that's the benefit of starting to, to to save quite early. And then when we get to people actually at retirement in the survey, the biggest number for me and the biggest mover for me in the in the survey was was people in 2021 said um, at retirement 60% of people did so voluntarily. In other words, they came to their retirement day and retirement month, they retired, and they were happy to retire thinking, you know, I, I think I could be okay at retirement, 60%. Um, 
Oh, sorry, 70%. 70% of people said, I think I'll be okay and, I've, and I'm voluntarily retiring. So I'm, I don't need to work for longer. 30% of people saying, yes, I, I can't really retire. My employer is forcing me to retire. In 23, that number was 60%. So 40% of people getting to retirement date and their employer say to you, sorry, there's no job for you post-retirement. I'm not, I'm not obligated to give you a job post-retirement. And you've got to go and, and survive on your own and here's your money and away you go. And that's a 25% increase in just two years, which is a very sobering number for me. And that's the that difference between the expectation and the actual reality at the end of the day. Is part of that change that you've seen is because people have a better understanding of what it is that they need to retire or not? I don't necessarily think it's a better understanding. I, I, I just think there's more noise being made in the market about saving for retirement. So I, I see much more marketing, not just by us, but by a lot of providers out there. You know, have you got enough for retirement? Are you saving enough for retirement? So I think as an industry, we're putting a lot of um, things out there, whether it's on social media channels or whatever. So the, the access to the noise is there. But then when you delve a, a, le a level lower, the, the understanding is not necessarily there at all. How is the proposed two-pot uh, pension system going to impact this. I understand the benefits and I understand why they're doing this, but I can't help but think that this is actually going to make things worse, not better. My personal view is in, in the short term, it's definitely going to make things worse. It's, it's going to hit the people that can afford it most or hardest. And, and that I'm saying people that can afford it most at retirement going to be the hardest those are the people that's going to be that's going to be taking their thirty thousand rands maximum allowance that they can take they're going to be taking it now on that day when they are able to take it and that is worth a significant amount in future in their retirement for them if they were to take it now that's going to have an unintended consequence for the majority of people so the people that can actually afford it 10 to 1 they're not going to take the 30,000 rand and it will have a lesser impact for them at retirement but the, the, the people that's in need of this the most is, is going to be the hit the hardest. So short-term impact of this is going to be massive. I think the longer-term impact of this, so the new participants coming into the system, so age 25 to 30, they'll be, they'll be the beneficiaries of this. But it's the, it's the middle, the sort of 45s to 55s that's going to really be impacted by this when they get to retirement. Part of the reality of retirement that we're already seeing um, in Europe, for example, is retirement ages are going to have to be pushed out, right? France has already been subjected to a lot of writing because they wanted to push it out just by, by two years. But even in the States, Nikki Haley, who is, you know, one of the pretenders to Trump's spot, she's obviously not going to get it, she probably won't even be VP, but she has said that um, sort of youngsters at this point in time, you know, in their 20s and 30s, need to expect their retirement age to be 70. Um, and obviously, you know, there was a huge outcry with that, but she's probably not wrong. So the dichotomy we have is we have massive unemployment. We have a large amount of young people wanted to come into the formal employment and uninformal employment sector. So for, for us to have a massive influx of people on, on the lower sort of the younger age, and then to increase the higher age, you're just going to increase your unemployment rate massively. Because at your retirement age, the employers can now say, you know what, you've reached your age and, and, you, and you must go. And we've seen that with, with, the, um, with the economic condition, you know. In the 21, 29% of employers said to their employees, you, you have to go, and, you can go in early retirement, and people took it. 
Uh, this year, around 37% of employers put their people in early retirement. So actually what's happening is that is, is the reverse. That, um, given the economic conditions we're facing, people are, are, are putting their employees or in, companies are putting their employees on early retirement, much more of them so, which means bringing the cap down so that they can actually bring the younger younger workforce into into the system. So as a developed world, we have we have we have a double whammy here, as opposed to Europe and the US, super low low unemployment rates. They can actually afford doing that. And also, you know, their their population growth rates are also low, so they're not going to have this huge, you know, youngsters coming up exactly. through the system that have to be catered for. But on on that, can you think of any solutions that that you can bring forward? that people can start thinking about. I mean, I, I, I write extensively, and you, as you know, I'm a financial advisor. And, you know, one of the sort of most obvious solutions to this long-term from an individual perspective, I mean, I know you're in corporate and, and maybe have a different view on this, is that people have to start looking at working for themselves. So, Dawn, I mean, that's a, that's a super tricky um, question that you've, you've asked or a difficult question that you've asked. And it's very hard, I think, to put it back, the owners back on the individual in in the type of environment that Africa you know, find itself, given our population, given the cultural um, aspects of of of, of, our, of our country. My, my view is, is the only way to actually do this is through proper regulation. Um, and that is done at the formal employment level. So all corporates, pro- proper regulation around making sure that the employer has got sufficient savings in place for their uh, for their employees. Also, that costs are kept in check checked by the regulator. So make sure that the maximum fees, what the individuals can pay, right investment portfolios. So a much more draconian sort of impact um, at a at a formal employment level. Um, and that can be dealt in several ways, you know, like we've seen it in Australia where they've created sort of industry funds, large funds where you can bring the cost down, super funds, bring the cost down, lots of people can be part of that. That's for the formal sector. Informal sector, and we, and that's a large part of our, our, our sort of workforce, is super difficult. So the only way really to get around that is by the creation of, in my view, of a, of a sovereign wealth fund, um, where that creates a social security system, but that's that's a very long haul, you know. It's it's a it's a 40, 50 year rollout to really to get to a fund of, of substantial scale and investment point. Unfortunately, our government seems to be spending much more than they can than we earn, um, and 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 we're spending it on on necessary things at that point in time. But uh, but putting some money away every year for this event and and for the events that will happen, and then using those returns to fund fund some of the, the, the you know, sort of the socio- socioeconomic impact that it has with people not retiring, I think is the only, only plausible answer here. We've seen it successful in the Middle East where it works. Um, we've seen it elsewhere in Europe. It works very successfully. And I think that's, that's a long-term plan that we have to embark on at some point in time. I think compulsory preservation that, that is envisaged in the, in the two-part system is also going to help to you know, to that extent especially yeah. with people moving even more frequently than they have before and probably the introduction of compulsory pension funds in one way or another in the formal sector so so that yes you you're putting money away but you can't cash it out when you leave 2 years later or 18 months later whatever it is that you know the so that the gen z's and and that sort of 
yeah. are, are doing and um, then give them half a chance of them getting getting to retirement, you know, which is not the case where we are now. And, and of course, we're suffering the consequences as a result. And as you said, there is going to be an unintended consequence of, you know, withdrawing the, the 30,000 rand immediately on, on part two, um, on the two-part system. But, you know, um, maybe that, you know, will balance out with people just not being able to cash in at the end of the day. Uh, I 100% agree with you. So the long-term impact of this would be sanguine. Um, you know, I, I can understand why they did the 30,000 are okay. You know, it's it's it's, it's a balance yeah. between political and and sort of giving some people the option but but i think that's the right the right approach the next sh should be you know a compulsory system for all employees for the for all employers for the employees to be part of um and that needs to be be regulated and then a minimum savings rate at at, at, a, at a level not five yeah. percent you know it yes. should be should be close to 10 or 15 percent yeah absolutely and you know look there's going to be on us you know the poor beleaguered taxpayers there's the prospect of NHI and that being a salary sacrifice, you know, that that's going to come off your salary as well. I mean, you know, I suppose, you know, taxpayers, you know, we, we always bear the brunt of it. But, you know, I, I do think that, you know, you hit the nail on the head in terms of um, in one way or another, whether it's through economies of scale that you've been alluding to or, or using providers where those costs are kept at an absolute minimum. Um, and without allowing, you know, or without entertaining things like prescribed assets, for example, yes. right, to yeah. to prop up failing entities in the government and and things like that, um, you know, in my opinion, you know, prescribed assets. We we've got another couple of minutes before we have to end this. Do you think that that's now dropped off the radar or not? I mean, it, unfortunately, the 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 savings. And the investment component is always going to be a bit of a political play ball. Um, and prescribed assets, in, in, in my view, is, as you say, it, it, once you force investment in a certain direction, you you, you get a, a, a imbalance between the risk and return trade-off. Um, so I've got a, a very a very negative view on that, and I always believe that there must be a meritocracy in in the investment that any investment manager can make within specific boundaries. That be prudential limits. I'm not sure whether. It's totally dropped, dropped off the radar. I think it's going to come back again. I think the focus is now very much on two-pot and getting that delivered and done. And precise, precise assets will definitely come back um, as we head into the sort of whoever takes over the baton and how it gets taken over after the elections this year. Well, folks, that was Toby van Heerden, the CEO of 10X, talking to us in our weekly Responsible Investor slot brought to you by Satri Paul. Let's plastic responsibly. Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact.